0: Yesterday at lunch, William prayed for lunch, and uh, he thanked God for the 40 years that God had given to his dad, and then he prayed that God would help me to live for, uh, help me to live to my 41st birthday. (laughs) Very, very sincerely, he prayed that. Yeah. Anyway, well, that's the goal. One year at a time now, right? Chris Pagan, right? All right, all right. All right, you're in Proverbs chapter one. We're, we're finishing up our, our series on personalities and Proverbs. I hope you've enjoyed it. I have uh, the simple. We looked at that personality first. The um, slogan was, "I don't know. Just kind of going along with life. Whatever, whatever life unfolds, whoever they're with, that's what they're going to go with, that's what they're going to do. Then we looked at the uh, simple person. If they're not corrected, mom and dad, they will turn into a foolish young person. Okay, They're not going to stay simple. Um, the foolish person has the attitude or the slogan was, what do they know? What do they know? And uh, they start to live their lives. Of course, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So the fool is characterized by living his life like God doesn't exist, and that sounds terrible, and it is terrible. But we studied that, and I was convicted because while most of us, as God's people, would say, "Well, certainly we know that God exists," we don't live our lives like God doesn't exist. And yet, there are times in our lives, even for us as God's children, where we do. We in our relationships, in our marriages, in our child rearing. Sometimes God's people even go through life, maybe not there are long periods, but times, a day, a, a decision, a week, living like God doesn't exist. It always results in failure. Then, of course the fool, if left to himself, if left to his folly, his foolishness, will become a scorner. And the scorner, his uh, slogan was, I got this under control. Kind of like, back off. Don't tell me what to do. I, I know how to live life. I got it. And uh, he's characterized by pride and arrogance, isn't he? And we studied that. A lot of, lot of information about the scorner in the Proverbs. And then we looked at the slothful and the sluggard. And somebody asked me the other day if the, the sloth head I had on the platform was made for a child. But judging from the size inside, I think it was an adult-sized sloth head. But uh, the sloth, what was his slogan? I don't feel like it just don't feel like it. And, and again, most of us in this room, we, most of us would say, I'm not a sluggard, I'm not a sloth. But remember, it's possible to be hardworking in one area of life, but to be slothful in another area of life. And the slothful person is somebody who is irresponsible, doesn't work hard at the things God has given them to work hard at. And uh, there's a great verse in Colossians, Colossians 3, 23, one of my favorites. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. So we all like to please people. We, we love to please people. We love when people applaud us, pat us on the back, say, hey, great job. But ultimately, everything that we do ought to be done as unto the Lord. And that will help us in our areas of slothfulness, if you'll remember that verse, Colossians 3.23. Great verse to commit to memory. And then that brings us to the wise. we worked our way through all the characteristics. There, there might be more if I had broken them down differently. A to Z. And I won't put you through that anytime soon again, okay? A to Z. But I hope that you took notes, and um, I hope that you'll go back through and look at some of these things. The slogan for the wise is, wow, wow, great choice, great choice. Well, I love being able to say that to my kids. Hey, great choice. That was a good choice. And... Uh, and God wants you and me to be able to, he wants to be able to say that to us. Hey, great choice. You know, there is coming a day where you and I, every single one of us as God's children are going to stand before the Lord himself and uh, we are going to receive rewards from him for the things that we've done in these earthen fleshly bodies. And uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That would be what he'll say. Hey, Great choice. And wouldn't it be great if you and I can stand before him someday and hear that, that statement from him? And that is my goal for you. That's my goal for you. And, uh, and that's my goal for my children. And so I hope you go back and look at these scriptures that we've looked at about the wise because we looked at these characteristics of what it is to be a wise person. You're in, you're in Proverbs chapter 1. Let's read here. I'll begin reading in verse number 20. Wisdom crieth without... So she's available. She's actually seeking you. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Really, wisdom is the Lord Jesus Christ personified. Wisdom is personified in the Lord Jesus Christ. It also could be uh, described as the word of God. We, we gain it by fearing the Lord. In verse 24, it says, Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have set at naught all my counsel." You're not doing that. That's why you're here. You want to hear the counsel of the Word of God. And would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord... They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me wisdom shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us now as we make some application, we look at some scripture tonight. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would enlighten our thinking. I pray that we would not think worldly. I pray that we would not think fleshly. Lord, I pray that we would think clearly and biblically and in truth and honestly. Father, lead us in the path of wisdom, I pray. For your glory and for our good, I ask these things, and in Christ's name, amen. So let's jump right in. We're going to look right at Roman numeral numbers, number six, conclusions. And there are a number of conclusions I'd like to make here as we draw the, our study to, a, to an end. Letter A, we'll look at our lives. We'll look at our lives. There are two areas spoken about heavily concerning the wise And it's their pursuit of knowledge and truth. Okay, this is not yeah, conclusions, Roman numeral. It's all right. Maybe I can can I go back and get there? Yep. All right. Godly wisdom. I think we already got that, right? No, you did not? this is a sneak preview. There it is. There it is. I've shot right past it. There it is. All right. Conclusions. Our lives. There it is. Our lives. Two areas spoken about heavily concerning the wise are their pursuit of knowledge and truth. Their pursuit of knowledge and truth. Think with me here. Notice your handout. There are two... Area spoken about by, in, in the Scripture, their knowledge, of, pursuit of knowledge and truth. This includes the ability to receive correction. If you really struggle in this area to receive correction, maybe a wife from her husband, you just struggle with it. Boy, he, he, can't, he can't hardly pay you a compliment without you being upset with him. Um, or, or, or say, honey, have you thought about doing it this way? And by the way, that goes the other way too you know sir are you can can is it impossible for your wife to offer some correction to you some loving correction or some advice a thought some truth and you're offended you're offended uh, it's because you're proud and it's not wisdom it's not because you know everything it, it's that uh, it makes you wise it's it's humility so uh, this includes the ability to receive correction, but also and the correct use of speech. And we're going to really focus on that here this evening. So those two areas heavily spoken about in the Word of God about the wise, the pursuit of knowledge and truth and the correct use of speech. And by the way, these two areas, I think, really help us to be able to evaluate our level of wisdom. Where are we at? Are we wise? Are we, do we have wisdom from above, from the Lord? Or is the wisdom that we've been operating with throughout our lives and making a living and and being a husband and or being a wife, is it worldly wisdom? Which wisdom is in control of our thoughts? So these two points help us evaluate our level of wisdom. Are we gracious in our speech? Are we measured in our decision making? Are we edifying? We build people up with our speech? Are we humbly able to receive rebuke from godly people? No one likes to be rebuked, but but a wise person is willing to receive rebuke. It's very, very important. And if we are, we are on the path to wisdom. If 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 you're gracious and you're measured in your decision-making and you are edifying in your speech and you're humbly able to receive rebuke, you're on the way to wisdom, you're on the right path. Uh, letter B, in life. Letter B, in life. <laughs> there, it, there it is, letter B. Let me ask you this, though, before we, we look at this. Are you on the path to wisdom? Are you? What do you think? You don't have to answer me, but I want you to answer yourself. Are you on the path of wisdom? As we've gone through this study, have you found yourself thinking, I'm a, I'm a simpleton? It's okay, if you are, we're all born in this world that way. Maybe you thought, you know what, I'm a, I've been a fool. I've played the fool. I remember hearing a sermon about that once when I was in college, called playing the fool, playing the part of the fool. I've done that. Are you still doing that? Are you a scorner? Are you, are you so arrogant? Are you, you're, the, you're in charge of your life? Are you, are you a sluggard? Or are you on the path of the wise? I hope that you are. Letter B, in life, we start simple and we gain wisdom through the Word of God as we fear God and get to know Him and how He runs the world. Now, here it comes, three stages of wisdom. This was your sneak preview. You might have already filled in the blank, some of you. And by the way, keep progressing in wisdom. Maybe here this evening you'd say, You know what, Pastor Ferguson, I think that I am wise in several areas. I mean, godly, biblical wisdom. I I praise God for it. God is He's he's given me wisdom. We ought to we could praise God. We ought to thank God tonight for that, Lord. Thank you for the wisdom that you've given me. But wisdom is not something you just attain to and you don't grow anymore. You can grow in wisdom, and that and that could be seen. You know, our children can make right choices and they can give evidence of wisdom. But it'd be awfully sad if they didn't grow in their wisdom, wouldn't it? It'd be awfully sad. And the same is true for you and for me as adults. You know, 15 years ago, hopefully I had some wisdom in certain areas of my life, but hopefully I'm not still there. Hopefully I'm growing in these areas of wisdom. And it starts out with knowledge, letter A, knowledge. Knowledge is foundational, and it requires studying the Bible and getting to know the Lord. Uh, Knowing the facts, knowing the facts of the Word of God. This is why, by the way, Sunday school is so important. This is why, by the way, a program like Awana, where we're memorize, our children are memorizing Scripture and hiding God's Word in their hearts, is so, so important. Now, just memorizing verses to pass a book and just attending Sunday school throughout a child's life is not going to be enough for that child to be wise, okay? But you can't be wise without having the knowledge. You have to have some knowledge, some basic some, uh basic understanding of the Word of God. It's absolutely imperative. So, moms and dads, we ought to be teaching our children in the homes. We ought to be talking. Deuteronomy, I believe, talks about this, where we're talking to our children regularly about the Word of God. Um, You know, especially with us, with younger children, when we see something, a wow moment, um, we look and there's a beautiful sunset, or maybe... Hey everybody stop and look and who can find the big dipper? You know and there they are they're all looking or look at that what's that? And I don't know what half of it is but you know what I know who made it. And it's amazing and it's incredible and God is so powerful. He is more powerful. He is all powerful. Talk to your children's about your children of children's your children about God. Talk to them about God. There needs to be a basis for for wisdom and knowledge is that understanding and there's a progression here. It starts out with knowledge. You gotta know portions of scripture, but then understanding, and this is transitional. Knowledge is foundational. Understanding is transitional. Begin to know the meaning of facts. Understand its significance in the Word of God, its relevance, how it applies to our lives and relationship, our relationships. So it starts out with knowledge and then understanding and then wisdom. Uh, is the third part of this the three stages of wisdom: knowledge, understanding, and wisdom? Wisdom is practical. It's knowing what to do with the knowledge that I have. It's knowing how to apply. It's knowing how to apply. Train up your, train up your, train up a child in the way he should go, that when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Okay, that's the knowledge. Okay, I, I can, I can memorize that. I can. But then there needs to be understanding, how does that, and then wisdom is ultimately the application of that. Or wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. So you know that some women have never heard that truth? They can't be wise in that area of life because they've never heard of it. Or maybe they've heard about submit, but in the wrong way, they don't know what it means. They don't know what what it means biblically. And by the way, there are things that all of us don't know, aren't there? There are things I, I don't know, and so I need to be growing in wisdom. And how do I do that? Well, knowledge. I need to be continually searching the Word of God and growing in my knowledge of the Word of God, then my understanding of the Word of God, and then wisdom, the application of the Word of God in my life. So don't, don't settle for where you are. Now, you don't have to beat yourself up about where you are. I'm just terrible. I, I lack wisdom, and I don't know anything, and No, this is just who i am don't do that don't do that three stages of wisdom number two three areas of life three areas of life letter a letter a knowledge or excuse me aptitude 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 is instruction and maybe i should have just used these other words i put in your notes instruction learn what god says it leads to more learning It leads to more learning. Letter B, attitude. Attitude, that's your motivation. Be stirred by the truth. Trust in God's word. Attitude. Letter C, C, action. And this is, again, where wisdom is involved. Obedience. Obey the word of God. Just do it. Do what you know to be true in that situation. You know, in the situation, you don't feel like doing what you know is true. In the marriage relationship, you don't feel like it at that moment. But wisdom, wisdom knows when when we haven't done what is right and helps us get back on the right path. By the way, sometimes wise people make mistakes. And it's only wisdom, by the grace of God, that he puts us back on the right path. So sometimes I've noticed when people make a mistake, they live in that mistake, and they never move on, and they're crippled by it. And I want you to know the devil wants you to do that. And you are giving him glory and not God glory by lounging about in self-pity and defeat. It would bring God great glory if you'd accept the victory that he's given to you through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and walk in wisdom, and walk in wisdom. So obedience, obey the word of God. It's not easy. No one said it was. Uh, Number three, godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. Now, I want you to take your Bibles, turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We're going to spend a little bit of time in James chapter 3 because I think there's some wonderful principles here in the New Testament about wisdom. James chapter 3. And there's a wonderful uh, contrast or comparison in James chapter 3 between godly wisdom or wisdom that is from above and wisdom that is from beneath or worldly wisdom. Matthew Henry uh, wrote a little section on this James chapter 3. In fact, let let me begin reading in verse number 13. I'm going to read down through verse number 18, because he asks a question here, James does, to these Hebrew believers. He says in verse 13, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? And that's a question we all could be asking ourselves here this evening. Am I a wise person? I think I am. I don't think I am. God, who is wise biblically and who is not wise? And here he asks it, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, that is both speech and living lifestyle, his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, And devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, the question is who's a wise man? Who's a wise woman? Are you or are we living our lives under the direction of godly wisdom? Wisdom that is from above, or are we living our lives based upon worldly wisdom, wisdom that is from below? Now look at verse thirteen again, would you? Verse thirteen Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. So a truly wise man, this is what Matthew Henry writes, a truly wise man is a very knowing man. So he has knowledge. We talked about that already in your handout. He will not set up for the reputation of being wise without laying in a good stock of knowledge. So he's not just interested that other people think that he's wise. Isn't that nice if other people think that we're wise? That's that's great. People think we're wise. But a wise man isn't... He's not okay with that. He doesn't settle for what other people think about him. And he will not value himself merely upon knowing things. You know, some people just pursue knowledge. They know a little bit about this, and a little bit about that, a little bit about everything, and they can be quite puffed up. But this man's not going to do that because he's a wise person if he has not wisdom to make a right application and use of that knowledge. So wisdom is not just... It's not just to know enough to know stuff, but it's how do I apply what I know, what the Bible says, to life. And a wise person knows how to apply what the Bible says to a circumstance in life, a real life circumstance. Parents, you and I know this, don't we? Sometimes we look at our children or they walk out of the room and then we look at our spouse. What did we just see? What did we just look at? Who just talked to us? I mean, I mean, we know their name, but who was that? Where are they going in life? And how can we train them? And how can we influence them positively in a right way? In a way that's going to be successful. Sometimes in the workplace, right? You face situations, and you're not exactly sure what to do. Well, you know, you've heard it. Most of us in this room have heard it. Uh, The Bible has the answer for everything that life can throw at us. And all of us would say, amen, that's good. Okay, well, do you believe that, number one? And then two, are are you pursuing the knowledge that is in the Word of God, that is the Word of God? Are you pursuing understanding of the Word of God? And are you a wise person who knows where to go for the answer and then how to apply that Bible truth to the situation in the workplace. Because you know you can't walk into your workplace to your boss and flip open your Bible and say, here's a verse for you, sir. Now, you might be able to do that. Pastor Burden can do that, right? But most of you can't do that. So so you need wisdom from above. The wise man is not just... He's not willing to settle for just knowing things. He wants to be able to make right application and right use of that knowledge. Now, Matthew Henry goes on to say, These two things must be put together to make up the account of true wisdom. Who is wise and endued with knowledge? Now, where is this? uh, where this is, he writes, is the happy case of anywhere will be these following things. I don't know if that's how he meant to say it. But there's three truths in verse number 13. So look at your Bibles. And where where a man is wise, these three characteristics will be evident. You see them in verse 13. There's three of them. The first is a good conversation. If we're wiser than others, this should be evidenced by the goodness of our conversation. So evaluate your conversation. What kind of a conversation? What kind of words do you use? Now he's talking about the way we live our lives, but but also he's speaking about speech, because all of chapter 3 of James is about speech. Is your speech characterized as being rough? Gruff, mean? I suppose we all have done that, but that's not a wise man and endued with knowledge. Uh, verse 13. Or is, it, is your speech uh, characterized by vanity of words? Or are are your words or your, is your speech characterized by words that inform and do your words heal do your words do good because these are the marks of wisdom not those that look to make themselves look great or to do mischief or are the occasions of evil Matthew Henry writes number two you see in verse number thirteen the first characteristic is good conversation the second characteristic is by works, good works. That's what he says in verse number 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation his works. And so the conversation isn't just a reference to our words, our speech, but to the whole of men's practice. Let him show out of a good conversation his works. Wisdom, a true wisdom, does not lie in good notions or speculations so much as in good and useful actions. Not just a man who talks well, but a man who does what is right. A man who does what is right. There's a third characteristic in that verse, in verse 13. True wisdom may be known by the meekness of wisdom. That's the third characteristic. So you have somebody who has a good conversation, their works reveal the fruit of the spirit working in them but the third characteristic is meekness of wisdom meekness is the idea of strength under control strength under control how about you are you a man that's characterized by strength under control you say I got the strength part down but not the under control part down Okay, that's not wisdom you lack wisdom And I know I'm speaking to you tonight in front of your wife and in front of your children. I know that. You're accountable. You do know that, don't you? Whether we live like we're accountable or act like we're accountable or not, every one of us as husbands are accountable. We're accountable to God. We're accountable to our spouse. We're accountable to our children. And there ought to be meekness of wisdom. It ought to be obvious you know, it, it, just because you're doing well in the stock market or just because you're a success in the workplace or just because you can handle money or you know how to fix things does not, you may have wisdom in those areas, but you don't have wisdom that's from above. You're an intelligent man. You're a hardworking man. You're a creative man. But you lack wisdom from above. And where we lack wisdom from above, we really ought to get on our knees as men. And I'm talking to men for just a moment. We ought to get on our knees and we ought to say, Lord, would you forgive me for my self-reliance for all of these years? Thank you for the knowledge you've given me. Thank you for the experiences you've given me. Thank you for the opportunities. Thank you for blessing me financially and in my home and all these areas where you seemingly are very successful to everyone around you. But if you know you lack wisdom, men, we ought to get on our knees. We ought to ask God for wisdom. Because what worldly wisdom produces, ultimately, is destruction, and it falls short of God's glory. It doesn't honor him. It doesn't honor him. We're going to see that a little bit later on. So what kind of wisdom do you have? You're in James chapter 3. Look at verse number 14. Verse 14. He asked the question in verse 13, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? And then in verse 14, he describes for us wisdom that is worldly. Is there such a thing? Look at verse 14. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Don't say that you have wisdom from God. And lie not against the truth. Don't pretend. Stop saying that you have wisdom from, from God. Stop saying that you're a Christ follower. Or say, I'm, I'm following Christ, but, I'm, but I sure didn't follow him in this situation, honey. And then in verse 15, he says, This wisdom descendeth not from above but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Wow. And so the question is, are you worldly wise? Is your heart within at war with other people? Is your heart within you full of jealousy? Is it full of bitterness? Look at verse 14, the beginning part again. He says, bitter envying in your heart jealousy against the good of another strife has the idea of contention a battle not just me with another person but a battle inside of me wow this is worldly wisdom this makes complete sense to our flesh this makes complete sense to the world they get this our flesh gets this when we're offended you know what I'm coming out and I'm going to I'm going to see to it that they pay for what they've done. Oh yeah, I can I can make sure they pay for what they've done. You know what? I'll help them see. It's bitter envy, strife. It's it's fleshly. That's what it is. It's fleshly. And so the command in verse 14, the latter part is, "Be quiet. Don't speak." Look at verse 14 again. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. It would be best if he just didn't say anything in that situation. The command is to be quiet. Close your mouth. If you think that you're wise, but you have strife and envy and bitterness in your life, you're lying against the truth. That's what James says. Remember, Do you remember the description of the fool? you remember the description of the scorner, their pride? you remember that? Their anger? They're much speaking. Yeah, well, and and the husband does it, and the wife does it, and the husband does it, and the wife does it, and you got a fool in the scorner going back and forth at all, and, and everybody just hates each other, and the whole world. There's no godly wisdom there. Why do you hate each other? Well, she, see, it just goes on and on. It's just terrible. And so the similarity is here to the scorner and the fool. In the New Testament, clo- close your mouth and be counted wise would be the emphasis. Don't destroy the reputation of another believer. You know, sometimes it's so sad, but sometimes God's people actually talk negatively or ill about fellow believers. Now think with me for just a moment. What, what is this that we have here? We call it a church, um, the body of Christ. Think about it in that context. This is the body of Christ. Should I, as the pinky finger of the body, attack the big toe of the body, whoever that is? Does that make any sense? Does it make sense for the tongue to attack the ear and talk bad about the ear? That ear never says anything. I'll tell you what, that ear never says a thing. Terrible soul winner, that ear. On and on it could go. It could talk about, I mean, it'd be so silly, wouldn't it? Terrible. It makes no sense. But you know what? Sometimes God's people talk ill about one another. Don't do it. It's it's worldly wisdom. It, It makes sense to the world. It makes complete sense to your flesh. That's why you do it. That's why I do it. But it does not come from God. It does not come from the Spirit of God. And so we all have to examine our hearts. Are our hearts full of peace and joy that radiate through meekness? Or is are our hearts characterized by, by turmoil and anger and bitterness and, and envy? What a contrast between verse 13, where he says, Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom, strength under control. Uh, a contrast from verse 13 to verse 14, where you've got this this worldly wise person with bitter envying and strife in their hearts, and they're glorying in themselves. And God says, you're glorying, you're honoring you because you're so wonderful. And really, this is the scorner here. He's the teacher, he knows the best. And, but James says, you're actually lying against the truth. You're, you're completely discrediting the truth. You say you're a Christ follower, but you are not. You are lying. You are not a Christ follower. You know what? It'd be great if we'd just be honest with ourselves when this happens. When there's strife between between a husband and a wife, or we as parents respond as we ought not to respond to our children. Instead of going away saying, yeah, well, I put him in his place, we ought to go away and say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. And then turn around and go right back to the person we offended and say, with our children, get down on our knees and and say, you know, Daddy shouldn't have talked to you that way. I'm so sorry would you forgive me? I was really wrong. And you hug him, get back up, and you go on with your life. And you could tell your child, you know what, I was, daddy was not following Jesus there, was he? I was wrong. And you know what, you'll find that your children are very quick to forgive you. Some of us really struggle with our relationships with our children because we've never asked forgiveness from our children one time. They don't respect. They don't respect. Because you've been lying against the truth for a long, long time. You've told them over and over again that you're a follower of Christ, but they know that you're not. Glory not, against, glory not in your wisdom. It's not, it's not of the Lord. And that's what he goes to in verse 15. Look at verse 15. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, worldly, sensual, fleshly, is the idea, devilish. Why should we not boast in our our wisdom that's man's wisdom? Well, because the origin of man's wisdom is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Earthly, primarily what is external and observable, does not consider the spiritual, not making decisions based upon the word of God, not walking... By faith, they're walking by sight. Sensual is a self-focus, very selfish, this kind of wisdom. Uh, it's the natural, it's, it has to do with the soul or the psychological. It has the idea of what will make me happy, what can I figure out, what makes sense to me. It's the sensual, it's based in unbelief, and it requires no faith at all. You just do what you feel like, and you'll be operating according to this kind of wisdom, a, a sensual, worldly Uh, devilish wisdom. And then the third word there, you see it in verse number 15, is devilish. Proud character. Rebellious nature of Satan who exalts himself as God against God. Self is the final authority for the devilish. This kind of wisdom. And it is the end. I mentioned this on Wednesday night, but in Ezekiel chapter 28, you can read a description of the angelic creature named Lucifer or Satan before he fell into sin. And it says in verse number 12 of Ezekiel chapter 28 that the devil was full of wisdom. Full of wisdom. And I bring that up because we're talking about wisdom here. We've studied a lot. We read a lot of verses about wisdom. It's possible to be wise but with worldly wisdom. It's possible to be really successful, to have knowledge, to have understanding about business, and to know how to apply your knowledge and understanding to a situation and to succeed in in relationships with people, to get what you want, to make sales, to build buildings, to build a reputation. But it is, it's possible for all that to be worldly. And this, this is the description, earthly, sensual, devilish. And so... Ezekiel 28.12 describes Lucifer as full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. And so when the devil fell into sin, he didn't lose his wisdom. And that's the point I made on Wednesday. He didn't lose his wisdom. He's still wise. He still is incredibly cunning. He has great knowledge. He has great understanding. But he is still a deceiver and a liar. He's very successful, actually but not in a way that pleases God. You see, he uses his wisdom for his own glory and not for God's. To get what he wants for the temporal, the here and now, but not for God. Look at verse number 16, letter D. I guess I don't have this in your handout, so I won't give you that. Verse 16, look there. What's the result of worldly wisdom? Look at verse 16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Confusion has the idea of a disturbance or instability, a state of disorder. And so where this kind of wisdom is exercised ultimately in the world, this is what happens. There's a disturbance, instability, a state of disorder. There's a lack of clarity. Uh, There's wrongdoing. And it is multiplied. Not just one little area, it multiplies not two plus two is four it's multiplication It just there's confusion at a very very high level it's in the the, it's in the home it's with the children it's in the marriage it's in the church it's in the workplace it's everywhere why because this person's operating according to worldly wisdom do you remember how the foolishness of the fool comes out well in James 3 the context is speech and you see here, he says, where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Now, how do you know what kind of wisdom is guiding you? And that, that's really what I'm after here. Because the litmus test for wisdom is the fruit it produces. Godly wisdom produces a certain kind of fruit. Worldly wisdom produces a different kind of fruit. There's two kinds of wisdom. If a person has to go to a counselor for 20 years for counsel, is that confusion? I'm not saying that we shouldn't, we should ever get to the point in our lives where we stop seeking counsel. But if we never, if we never come to knowledge and understanding and know how to apply it, are we wise? Confusion? Or are we confused? Are we wise or are we confused? If a person's advice leads you or another person to another sin, is that every evil work? How many psychological systems, self-help books, and parenting guides fill our bookstores? Is society more righteous because of these books? More wise? Are we more meek than we were 50 years ago? You see, we lack wisdom that's from above. Much in our world today masquerades as wisdom and boasts itself as the path of enlightenment, but it is a lie against the truth. Look at verse number 17 and ask yourself, do you have worldly wisdom or do you have divine wisdom or wisdom that is from above? Look at verse 17. He says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. First pure is what he says. Innocent, modest, perfect. That which is clean on the inside and on the out. It's chaste. You know that the first goal of wisdom that is from above is purity. Purity. Peaceable was the second one on the list there. It makes peace A wise man makes peace and enjoys peace. In fact, when a man's ways please the Lord, the Bible tells us that he even makes peace with his enemies, or he maketh his enemies to be at peace with him. In fact, a wise man actually, by his own actions and words, encourages restoration of relationships and resolution of problems, he doesn't let things linger and simmer and boil dry. He doesn't let that happen. He has wisdom that's from above. Now, should we just assume that this man who has wisdom that's from above just has an easy life, no hard time, no hard things, no difficult relationships? He, this, the guy who has, is peaceable, or this wise man who's peaceable, he just has an easy life, right? No. No. You know, it doesn't matter what our situation may be. You and I can be wise. We can be peaceable, gentle, mild, and appropriate. He deals in measure with an issue. He's not a blower-upper. He considers the needs of others in both speech and conduct. He does what is necessary to achieve purity and peace. uh, he doesn't exert force upon others he's gentle he's easy to be entreated the bible says that means he's easily persuaded he's compliant now keep this in context he's not naive he's not simple but he's easy to be entreated it doesn't have to be his way or the highway on everything he can listen to something and say that's a good idea let's do that that's a great idea husbands you ought to be able to do that when your wife speaks many of us in this room have been blessed at a very high level with the woman that god has blessed us with as our spouse our helpmate. a wise man would recognize wisdom and say hey that's a great idea honey let's do that and wives wisdom would operate the same way for you are you easy to be entreated are you easy to be entreated full of mercy and good fruits. This wisdom is marked by compassion toward others, action in the life, works and words, working in conjunction one with another, an abundance of good fruits. We could talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And then without partiality and without hypocrisy, no hidden agendas. No hidden agendas, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Sincere. He's equitable. And what are the results Righteousness and peace. Righteousness and peace. There ought to be righteousness and peace in our homes. There ought to be righteousness and peace in this congregation. You know why? Because God's people ought to have wisdom that's from above. That's why. There ought to be righteousness and peace in your marriage. Because there are two of you who are born again, and not that you're perfect, and yes, you have flesh, but you are born again and and you are walking wisely. You're walking wisely. Look back at your handout, and I'll give you a couple thoughts here. godly wisdom, it has knowledge. It has knowledge. It has a good conversation. His works are carried out with meekness and show forth his wisdom. We talked about that. Letter C, relationships. How about friendships? And because we spent so much time in the Word of God uh, looking at these scriptures. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time here. We'll finish up. How about in your relationships? If you have a friend who's a wise person, walk with wise men. Let me encourage you to do that. Walk with wise men. Wise men sharpen one another. Those who walk with wise men will be wise. Parents, find help, help your children develop good relationships and friendships with wise young people. Help them do that. This is not only because of right influences and examples and associations, but also the freedom to honestly and meekly correct one another in areas of weakness. Iron sharpening iron. Uh, Number two, dating. Dating. Not many of you are dating, but there are some. There are some. Yeah, I see you. Dating. Pray seriously concerning marriage. I won't ask you to stand pray seriously concerning marriage a prudent wife is from the Lord a prudent wife is from the Lord and some of you you're not dating now but you're going to be dating make it a goal of yours Lord help me to be a prudent wife you might say what what did the pastor say about being a prudent wife has something to do with wisdom being wise I don't know it all but you know this you have a basis you have a starting point you know God's pleased with it I want to be a prudent wife you might say if you're a young lady Be a prudent wife. God is the one who gives a virtuous husband or a wife to a person. This person may or may not be the one that you're going to marry, but cultivate the friendship as described, as we've studied, and and seek God's leading in your relationship. Number three, work in church. Work in church. Some of you oversee other individuals in the workplace, or you oversee people within church ministries. This is important. If you see someone who has wisdom, put them in a position of authority. Put them in a position of authority. Put them in a position of leadership. Put them in a position of honor. Honor them. It's a good thing to do. The wise will make a great leader or make a great counselor. That is, they, might, they could sit on a council. Do you want them making decisions within the church or in the workplace? They'd be a great teacher. Don't be threatened by their wisdom. Well, they know more than I do about certain things. Hey, that's okay. That's great. If if they're a wise person and they know how to work with their authority, wow, let them run. Let them run. Let them flourish. Pray for them that they'll flourish. Honor those who are wise as it provides a role model for others. Number four, spouse. Mr. Chapman, can you help me out? There we go, spouse. Number four, encourage, communicate, and seek their counsel. Now, I misspelled that word. You, get, you can re-spell that, counsel. You don't want to have a, um, a council of husbands or wives. That would be not what I'm teaching. Seek their counsel if you have a wise spouse. Number five, children. Children, entrust with greater responsibility and independence. As your children display wisdom and maturity, treat your young people as adults. Continue to verify fulfillment of those responsibilities occasionally. Just because your child seems to go through a growth spurt of wisdom and they start doing great, don't do this. Well, honey, we did a great job. He's going to make a good husband someday. Not necessarily. You still have a responsibility to train him up. So so inspect what you expect. But give freedom. Let him give him more responsibilities. Let him be successful. Let him, let him make some mistakes. Let him, let him learn. Let him continue to grow in wisdom. And then number six, leadership or authority. What if you have what if you're working for someone who is wise? They, they are wise. We did this, we used the same metric for every personality we used. What if, if you work for somebody who has wisdom, you ought to thank God for it. Seek their counsel. Again, you can change that spelling again. I really like that spelling of that one word up there, and I started using it. Seek counsel. Follow their instruction and treat mercy because, remember, as we studied the wise and what the Word of God says about the wise, someone who is wise um, is going to provide you with godly counsel. Someone who is wise is, is trustworthy. They're going to give you good direction. They're also full of mercy. So when you make a mistake just come to your, your employer who's wise and just say, listen, I made a mistake. Would you forgive me? Wish I hadn't done that. Be, be upfront and, and they can help you get back on track. Now here's where we started. Letter A, we all start simple and have a choice between wisdom and foolishness. We all start simple. And we have a choice between wisdom and foolishness. You have a choice. Letter B, the fool, scorner, and sluggard have all set themselves as the authority of their lives. They fear man instead of God. They must humble themselves. And, and this is very painful. If you're here and you, and you struggle and you say, you've played the fool or you're in the scornful or you're the, you're the sluggard, you're going to have to humble yourself. And it's, it's hard to do, but you're going to have to get on your knees and it's not just probably a one, it's not going to be a one time event where you get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And voila, you have great wisdom in life just as you're enjoying the fruits of being wise. It's probably not going to happen like that. You're going to have to be mending relationships of all kinds because you've destroyed so many. And you're going to have financial issues all over the place because you've made so many bad financial decisions. Okay? And, and the list can go on and on and on, and I won't go back down that awful list but I'm just emphasizing to you, godly wisdom is available. She's crying in the streets. She's looking for you. But you're going to have to humble yourself. And you're going to have to humble yourself repeatedly. Letter C, the wise humbly receives instruction. The, the wise humbly receives instruction. Letter D, wisdom is evidenced through action not intellect. Wisdom is evidenced through action, not intellect. Just because a person has a lot of mental capacity doesn't mean necessarily he or she is a wise person. Just because they know a lot about what the Bible says doesn't mean they're necessarily a wise person. Knowing what to do and failing to do it is self-deception. That man is not wise. Letter E, and finally, wisdom is not gained instantly. It is not lived by accident. Growth is a process that happens on purpose and must be maintained through constant vigilance and I emphasize that to you tonight. It's going to take constant vigilance. Hmm. Do, do soldiers ever get tired in the battle? Do they ever get fatigued? Do they ever get worn down? They just don't want to just don't want to walk the beat anymore. They don't want to don't want to stand like the ground anymore. Just tired telling you, if you and I are going to walk in wisdom, it's going, to, it's going to require constant vigilance. You're not going to be able to give up. Because the moment you do, the moment you set your, your, your armor aside, your weapons aside that God has given to you, the devil is going to be right there waiting to get a foothold in your life. And so be wise. Be wise. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and it not, and it shall be given him. Pray for it. Let's pray. Dearly Father, bless us as we go from this place tonight. I thank you for these folks who are so faithful. Lord, thank you for them and how they continue to fight the battle that you've put before them to stand against the evil one. Lord, some of us are tired. Some of us are under attack. Some of us, everything is smooth sailing right now. But Lord, Each one of us need wisdom, and we need to keep growing in wisdom. So, Father, give us strength for the battle. I pray that we would humble ourselves as church members of Trinity Baptist. And, Lord, I pray, I'm asking you, Father, to make us wise. Help us to grow in wisdom, that we might be able to enjoy the fruits of wisdom and ultimately bring glory and honor to you. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed. We don't have time. We're out of time.
1: What time? I'm not not sure what the time is, but uh, it is time for us to celebrate Pastor's 40th birthday. He turned 40 yesterday. Can you believe that? He doesn't look a day older. I don't believe it. So, uh, he claims his birthday was yesterday. He's turning 40, so let's all sing happy birthday. Mm. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, Pastor Ferguson, happy birthday to you. I know we were told as a staff, he pointed at his birthday like three times, he mentioned it last Sunday night and tonight again, he did not want to celebrate his birthday, it was. He said, no, seriously, we don't have to do anything for my birthday. Uh, so obviously he wanted us to celebrate his birthday, I believe. It, it became apparent. So uh, uh, we have a, a cake and ice cream all set up in the fellowship hall, and you all are invited to Pastor Ferguson's over the hill 40th birthday party. Woo! So you make your way down.